Welcome to Becoming Parents Podcast. I'm Jen Taylor, your host. I am mom of 18, and you can find me on momsrunningit.com. Remember, give a shout out to those who are brave enough to share their stories with us on how they have become parents. Let's dive right in. Welcome to Becoming Parents. I'm really excited today. I have my daughter, Olivia, on again. Olivia lives in Arizona. I'm in Reno. And she has her own business called Forget Me Not Doula Services. So we are both doulas, breastfeeding counselors. And it's been interesting watching your progression. And then when you convinced me to jump back in and be a doula again, my progression and how differently we've done things. That's not really what we're talking about today. But hi, Olivia. Hello. So we're doing this right now because your two kids are asleep. So tell me about how, like how old your kids are and yeah. I have a 15 month old and a two and a half year old. He's almost, he'll be three in December. Yeah, in so three, whatever month that three is. Three months, almost three months, he'll be three. So well, that's disgusting. Why did <laughs> I say that? That's... Mm. Sorry about that. You Sorry about the growing up <laughs> part. Okay, so they both took a nap, so we jumped on here, and I'm super excited. And do you want to, like I just said, you have forget-me-not doula services. So I did this when you were growing up, then I stopped, then you had kid, your first child, and decided... Now I know why my mom did it, because once women go through something, they really, one, want to help other women, and two, that's usually because the experience wasn't fabulous, which we've talked about on previous mm -hmm. podcast interviews. But you've gone in some different directions. You're adding photography to yours, for example, birth photography. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Thinking about it, trying to. Right. So. It's just interesting that, you know, you do the same courses and you're doing the same thing but like because you get presented with different options and because your life experience is different like it, we've gone mm -hmm. in very different ways and yeah um, I bring that up because one of my biggest focuses and the part of my business that is pro bono <coughs> excuse me is bereavement um I experienced three miscarriages and so knowing what women feel like in that situation and that it's kind of like, oh, you'll be fine. Just walk it off. Um, so I work mostly with women who have had miscarriages in the past because they've never dealt with them. The grief, the shame, the loss, the what do I do with all these feelings that people are just like, oh, it's no big deal because you don't have a birth certificate, a death certificate if it's within the first 20 weeks and most 80% of miscarriages are in the first trimester. Like, what do I do with this? And and am I not supposed to feel guilt and shame and all of this? And so bereavement was mm -hmm. really, really, really important. Plus we lost your brother, Christopher, six years ago. And so I'm a mom who understands that loss. And... um so you got pregnant time number three. Let's talk about your third pregnancy. Um, I found out, I find out really, really quickly because I have really normal cycles. Um, so we found out probably about four to five weeks like we have with our previous ones. And we were so, so excited. Um, I guess it was like four weeks. It was like four weeks where we found out and um we were super excited it was really funny because my due date 
was <laughs> I forgot about this <laughs> the same due date that I had or you had with me and two of my sisters and another sister that was adopted like we all had the same due date and that was my due date with baby number three and that was pretty exciting and it's like April 19th why does that date seem so familiar and your dad would be like it's your due date every single time we've even adopted kids with a due date like the 19th and the 29th I mean like we have 21st I I mean we've had so many kids we have so many birthdays in April and the beginning of May most of them and so yeah you had the same due date and you told everybody yeah we were so excited with our previous two we told our families like the day or day after we found out so we kind of you know did the same thing um so everybody was super excited that there's gonna be another baby we were super excited a little stressed because you know going from two to three is big jump um yeah you called me on a saturday morning and we facetime which i love and with facetime you know when i see your phone number i think either Liv and I are going to like hang out and catch up or I have a child on the, right. You, right. Yeah. So yeah, I'm always like, pretty. like, hi. And that morning it was you. And I went, huh? okay, what's going on? Let me put my earbud in. I know that there's something that's going on. That's not okay. Yep. Um, I had gone to the bathroom and went to wipe and there was, there was blood and I, my husband was outside painting the shutters so they're like sealed and everything, like getting those already because we live in Arizona where there's monsters and everything. Anyway, um, he was outside working. I went to the bathroom and there was blood. And my daughter was like sitting right there trying to climb on my lap. And I'm like, no, 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 no. And needed my mom. Oh, needed someone who knew and who would be able to help me. And maybe like reassure me that everything was going to be fine and that just that bleeding didn't mean a miscarriage, but also, you know, that it, that it usually does. Um, so yeah, I said that I was bleeding and you, you were really helpful. Oh, good. <laughs> I mean, (laughs) that's pretty relieving. (laughs) It's my job, but also, you know, working with someone who's miscarrying, if I can get there in that very beginning, if I get that phone call in the beginning, I mean, you now know the difference between my experience, trying to piece together the puzzle of what happened, what's the process, um, and women who miscarry just alone, like, you know what that would feel like, because mm-hmm. you 
you experienced it and what if you didn't have anyone to call or the person on the other end of the line was like, oh, it's okay. You have other kids and you can get pregnant again and says all of the wrong things, not because they're being malicious, but because they think it's helpful. Because they think it's helpful. And it's like one in five women in the first trimester will bleed. One in four women in the first trimester will miscarry. So just because you're bleeding doesn't mean that, but you know, it's a high, and you as a doula know all of the statistics. Yeah. So, I mean, I definitely feel like that helped the headspace. I can't tell if that's my dog or a kid walking around. Um, that's my dog. Um, I think having that education and that knowledge helps a little bit but at the same time it doesn't yeah like yes I know that one in five women bleed and one in four miscarry but you never think that you're gonna be that one right or you don't you just definitely don't want it to be you don't want it to be right you and what was my husband and I talked about it with our first two we were very aware that miscarriage was a higher possibility Mm -hmm. that is that does tend to be more genetic um and every woman on my side of the family who's gotten pregnant has had at least one miscarriage so I knew that that was a higher possibility for me and with our first two we were very aware and with the third one that wasn't as big of a thought like it had been with the other we weren't like like we've had two kids, we had two really good healthy pregnancies, like we're good. And then it smacks you on the face. It's like, oh, you think you're good. Yeah. Um, so that was, that wasn't super fun. You called your midwife. Actually that day, that Saturday, you were meeting your midwife for the first time to come up with your mm-hmm. birth plan. You want to do a home birth this time. So you you had a different conversation with her than you had anticipated but so you called yeah. me and then you you called her or texted yeah, her so talked to her i texted her cuz she was having appointments so i didn't want to like make them feel like they weren't important um i texted her and let her know that i had started to bleed she was like get these things um, she had me get a couple of different like tinctures um, that could that could help if it was just bleeding and not losing a baby and then had me lay down, um, which is hard to do when you have two small children who forget that they have another parent who can help them. Yes. Um, we had been thinking about going in to get an ultrasound, um, but because it was it was only six weeks on the day, and she's like, sometimes it can just be bleeding, but getting that vaginal ultrasound can tip it over the edge and make it yeah. worse than it was. So she gave me information and then was like, whatever you decide, you know, you can still go and get that because I understand wanting to have that information, but it can aggravate it. 
So you have both, like you can wait it out or you can go do that. But know that this can, if everything is just bleeding, it can make it more than that. So we opted not to, which I'm definitely a person who likes to know and likes to plan and have an idea of what's going on. So that was kind of hard to do. Um, but also a little relieving at the same time to not like just go and lay down and do these different things and just wait. Knowing that this is probably going to be what's happening, that I am going to be losing a baby and having that time to kind of just get into a different headspace than mm -hmm. just sad. And I had two kids that were very, that are usually very cute and not all terror, um, that were being very sweet and, and distracting, which helped a lot too. So I'm like laying on the couch while my kids are doing whatever they're doing. Our shutters are still only half painted because <laughs> he never got around to finishing it when I told him that I was bleeding. Um, and my midwife did still come when she was originally going to, and we talked about a couple of things, like what to expect, what to do, um, what happens next, if we do st stay pregnant or if we do lose a baby, kind of like what happens then, um, so it was a good conversation. It was nice to meet her in person for like future pregnancies. Yeah. And I, I remember when you called me and you're like, should I go get an ultrasound? And I said, no. And you said, no. And I'm like, look, the knowing is really reassuring, whether it's good or bad, at least like, at least, you know, and you can do something about it, but, but so can you? Yes, but no. And I was glad that she ex she said the exact same thing in a different way, which was really helpful um, mm -hmm. because, yeah, it was just really helpful. And look, nobody wants this um, to happen. You want it to be either just one of the five that has bleeding you want it to be a twin pregnancy where you lose a twin and you know but the other one is fine you want it to go away you want to get an ultrasound in two weeks that shows the heartbeat um you want all of that stuff and not knowing what's going on in your body can be really difficult but she in this situation that wasn't great because i was asking you like i asked you what did she tell you to take? What are the tinctures? What so I, I copy pasted. I like I have that information now, and I'm not a midwife, and I'm not a medical provider. However, it's good to know. I'm already with one other woman uh, in one of the forums that I'm in, similar to you. Like we're in doula forums. A woman said that she had a client that was threatening miscarriage, and I said I am not a medical provider. Um, my daughter's midwife said to do this, these tinctures, like do these things because I had captured that information while you were in the moment. And that, mm -hmm. I think 
well, women, we kind of get, we get overwhelmed and it's hard to capture the information while we're going. And I know I told you a few times, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you something that's going to be really hard. And I, I really want you to do it because it will be worth it later. So that was one part of the situation, capturing that information. And basically she was texting you what to do and what to get. And you were forwarding the text to me. It wasn't like it was a horrible, big, hard thing to do, but just, but it's a horrible, yeah. big, hard thing to do. Right. And already that's helped somebody else. And which I love. Right. I mean, like that's, that's what we want, right. Our experience to pay it forward. And here's the other thing that you knew. If you're one of five people bleeding, this is going to help. If you're not, it's not going to hurt anything, but you've done everything you can and you will miscarry anyway. Right. Like there's, once you're miscarrying, there's not really anything you can do to stop it. Right. If you're not and you're just bleeding, there are things that you can do to help. But if you're miscarrying, it's still going to happen. But you have a different mentality instead of just like, oh, I'm bleeding. Well, let's just sit on the toilet and wait. It's, you're, you're seeming like you're more proactive. Yes. I think helps too. And also that if anything could have been done, you have done it. You have done yeah. all of the things. So you met the midwife, you, your husband stopped immediately. He went and got you all the stuff. You found it. It was great. We captured that information. That's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, so you love the midwife. It, that was yeah, all helpful. I'm so thankful that not that I would expect anything different, but I'm so thankful she showed up anyway, you know? Yeah. She asked if I wanted her to or not. And I was like, I mean, yeah, we might as well. Like you're already going to be here. We already had it scheduled. So it's not like you're going to have anything different to do right now. And I know I want to go with her with any future pregnancy where we're doing home birth. Right. Like we have that in-person interaction where I'm like, yep, you are somebody I want in my space. Yeah. And I feel comfortable with that. So that was really good. And we had a really good conversation that also helped distract from all of the things. So that was good too. Um, so I want you to take us through, you were on bed rest for that day and that night. And oh, I mean like indefinitely until we figure out what's going on, like just mm-hmm. lay as low as possible which of course is what you would do. And you and I were talking a lot. So mm-hmm. um, move forward with this. So the midwife was so great I, and then- She was great. I was on bed rest and it happened on, it started on a Saturday yeah. and on weekends, it's really easy for me to be on bed rest. Well, it's easier because there's another adult there mm-hmm. who can do all of the like parenting things. And he- stepped up um and did a lot of things that we divide and when the kids were like mom 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 he redirected them to him so I could continue to lay down um he also wanted to be able to get things done so he kind of helped distract the kids while he got things done which was awesome um Sunday the next day I was still you know trying to be on bed rest trying not to get up physically I felt fine there wasn't like cramping there wasn't anything crazy going on 
physically I felt fine and laying down kind of bothered me Mm. like just laying down all the time is so hard yeah when like physically like I don't feel sick I'm not like super crampy I'm just bleeding but like I need to lay down so that was really hard and every time I went to the bathroom I was a little bit more stressed and we were facetiming yep you and I were facetiming and um I went to the bathroom and in my pad I was like I know that this is a sack I know that this is like I know what I'm looking at and that was really hard to like I know that that's like it's gone the baby's there is no more baby that the baby is gone like there is there is a sack and then I felt a huge clock come out and I was like I'm gonna go fish in the toilet really quick and I remember talking to you you said I lost a clot and I said I know that this is really hard but like you were already determined to get that clot out of the toilet and I'm gonna go fishing please get the claw out of the toilet. Yeah. Get any tissue that you lose. Yeah. And you did. And I fished it out and I was like, I, I know that this is the placenta. Like I've seen enough. I know. And the midwife had been like, it's going to be like the size of a silver dollar. Yeah. Because of gestation and everything. She's like, it's going to be the size of a silver dollar. And it's not going to feel or look like a blood clot. Right. Um, she said tissue will feel more grainy where a blood clot will be very smooth and break apart really easily. Right. And almost like mucusy or slimy a little bit yeah. more. Yeah. So anytime I had like a larger size clot, I was like feeling it and stuff. And I was like, no, this is just blood. Right. This is just a blood clot. Like I'm not going to freak out about this, but I grabbed it and I was like, I, I know that this is the placenta. Like, I know exactly what this is. I sent a picture to my midwife and I was like, this, I, like, I'm pretty sure that this is what it is. And she said, yes, she confirmed. She said that that is really hard and she's really sorry. Um, and I just kind of left it on the counter, pulled it up. So wait though, back up just a second okay. because- your husband wasn't home because he was going to the store to buy pads when this happened. Yes. And we were already joking be- before this. You're like, I'm going to, we're FaceTiming. I'm going to get up and go to the bathroom. And you were wearing what? I was wearing one of my daughter's diapers. And we were laughing about it because it's like <laughs> insult to injury, right? Like not only is all this happening, but I have a diaper on. Like legit. Like we had... I started using a period cup for my period. So yeah. like I didn't have very many pads or liners to begin with right. because I'd stopped using them. I had one pad when I started bleeding and I wore it all day and into the night. And I was like, this is like, it's too full. And I was like, the liner's not going to do anything. So I snuck into my daughter's room and I grabbed a diaper. And, and I was so- like- that was like it's funny to say it now like even at the time you were like yep Kason's you know he's going to the store to 
to get me pads because I'm learning a diaper. So just when you think it can't get any worse, here we are. And we were kind of joking. And I remember on the phone with you saying, like you fished it out, you fished out the placenta. And I was like, um, can you just turn the phone around so I can take a picture? In this space, you never know how emotional it's. I mean, it's super emotional for the mom, but like how hard it's going to be to do something. And you were like a trooper. You were like, yep, I'm fishing it out. Yep, it's on the diaper. Yeah, because you and I were both crying while this was happening. I I can't believe you and I are not crying yet right now. Because I've already started (laughs) twice. So I'm alive too. But I was like, I'm I'm gonna ask you to be really brave. And you turned the camera around and I took I did like three screenshots on our FaceTime. And then um, you know, you had no, and, and so yes, you knew what it was. I knew what it was. As soon as you turn the phone around, like you want to think, oh no, I'm going to see it and be like, oh no, wait, wait, it's a kidney stone. No, wait, no, no, it's totally not. That's definitely just a large blood clot, which honestly, if you had a blood clot the size of a silver dollar, you should probably go into the doctor. Yeah, right. No, it was like, like maybe there wasn't a question, but we weren't verbalized. You were not verbalizing that with me. Well, no, you said that I just lost the sack and I have another claw. And I said, can you get it? And you said, yes. And you fished it out. And you said, mom, it's the placenta. And I said, can you turn Mm -hmm. the phone around so I can screenshot it? And one thing that I want to point out is that as hard as this is, you were really, really, really brave because you can't like wait till later. If you're going to do things like get a piece of tissue out of the toilet, you have to do it right now. Right, like as soon as you flush or you let like it's it done. get it long enough, like it's done. Right, so, so you were I very knew, brave. I knew I was going to need that confirmation. So even if we hadn't been on the phone, I still would have fished it out for my own sake. And probably still had the same emotional yep. turmoil of needing to do it and going through and having that like oh no this is the placenta it's not just a clot kind of confirmation and then you know me knowing what it was and then you confirming what it was and then having the midwife confirm again like just having all of that and then I just left it I left it on the counter I was like mentally right this second right that is all I can do all I can do is just leave it folded up in the diaper and walk away. Like I can't mentally do anything else right this second. Mm-hmm. Um, my husband got back from the store getting me, getting me pads. And I was like, well, I probably don't even really need pads anymore. Like the bleeding's going to go down and stop. Like, do I need, he was getting like big overnight pads. Cause we were like, we have right. no idea what's going on. Um, I think I used like two or three of those. That was super cool. Um, but he came home and I told him, I was like, Hey, I, you know, I lost the sack. I lost the placenta. Like we, we've lost a baby officially. Um, he wasn't, my husband is more emotional than I am. He has been since 
before we got together, he is the more emotional one than I am. And he wasn't really showing any, which I understood. Like he's not quite as emotionally connected to a pregnancy like a woman is right when you're in it and I don't know if he knew how to express that emotion or how he was feeling when I was like going through it physically and feeling like I was failing in some way um but he came up to me a little later and like put his forehead to mine he's like I want you to know that this is hard for me too he's like I went in and I saw it and this is hard for me too. You're not alone. And for some reason, him acknowledging that he was also having a hard time helped a lot. Because he was acting so not uncaring because he, when I told him I was bleeding, he hugged me and was like, oh, what do you want me to do? What are we doing? Let me take a shower so we can go. Like you lay down, I'm in a shower and we'll do whatever you want. And like he stepped into this other kind of role that I don't think anyone wants to really need to step into. And then he acknowledged that it was hard for him. He just didn't want to make me feel like I had to take care of him when it needed to be the other way around. Right. Um, so that was, that was really nice for him to acknowledge like, Hey, I'm here and this is hard and you're not alone in this. Then there's the matter of the fact that you have a small window of time because this is human tissue. Mm-hmm. And um, it. I know for me, like I was going in between doula mom, doula mom, doula who is a mom, you know, and mm-hmm. it's a hardest miscarriage to help. Like every woman who's miscarries is super hard, mm-hmm. but you're my daughter. So that added a different layer. And because of that, I think usually I'm like, I'm going to ask you to do something really hard. I, I can't believe how strong and brave you are. And I'm with mm-hmm. you during this as much as I can be. You're in Arizona and I'm in Reno. And I, I said that earlier because I was like checking plane plane rates. Like, can I just take off and just go be there for a couple of days? Like I, I wanted the mom and me wanted to get there to you to help. I, I like, asked if you could come to. Right. And that was the hardest part of the whole thing, like wanting to get on a plane and just come. And um, so one of the things is you have to take the tissue and put it in saline solution. So like you have contacts, so I knew you had saline solution, but basically you need to buy a contact solution, just saline solution, get a little mason jar, put saline solution in it and get the tissue into the saline solution. And you did that. And yep, I did that and then I put it in a drawer. Yep. So I was like, I'm like, I don't want it just on the bathroom counter where the kids can get into it. And I don't want it to be somewhere where I'm going to walk by and just see this all the time. Yep. So I put and it I in just a drawer 
while I was trying, while we were all trying to figure out like what to do next. And I told you if you lose any other tissue to add it to the jar. And I knew we basically, you need to get things done within three days. So in my mind, the 72 hours was ticking. Yeah. And the other thing is that until you've experienced it, you don't realize kind of like having a baby, you don't know mm -hmm. what you don't know. So I was saying, you know, I, I'm going to ask you to do some really hard things. I'm going to make, I'll make as many of the phone calls as you want, but I know that you will be happy about this later if you can just do the hard thing. So you got into the saline, you stick it in a drawer, you add any additional tissue to that. And I called the mortuary in your area. Um, yeah. And meanwhile, I was like, if you end up going in for DNC and any hospitals involved, I'm getting on a plane. Um, if not, I like, I would love to come out right now, but I'm, let's just see what happens with this. So I was like, mom, that's a super yeah. hard thing. Do we, do I, you know, you have a 12 year old sister. Do I jump us on the plane, spend 800 bucks and go out there and stay for a couple of days, which would be super beneficial and worth it. However, do we do that or do we just like, is like, that wait. as necessary right. as we're thinking? Right. It may or may not be. Well, it's a very emotional decision. It's not, yeah. there's no law. There was not logic involved in that. That's like, you need me. I want to be there. Uh, let's go. Um, right. But I think my decision was like, look, if you have to go into the hospital, I am there. If you don't, I'm going to have to support you from a distance, which was horrible um but I understood and respected that yeah and I was like yeah if my bleeding doesn't stop and I have to go in and go to surgery like yes please yeah I'm there down. I'm there but if the bleeding stops and like everything seems fine we'll we'll see each other another time like it'll be okay I work with a mortuary here and a guy here that I really, really, really love. And so I called him because I already knew like for cremation, most of what you are left with in the jar is from bone because the tissue actually burns off um, the majority of it. And you're left with very little, like you're left with nothing. So I'm thinking this was something that I hadn't had to figure out with someone else. Either most mm -hmm. women miscarry and you talk to them later and it's too late, which is the biggest travesty in this whole situation. And also the training I went through, which was super intense, didn't address this specific thing. And so that was really hard. So basically, do you, you have to make a decision within that 72 hours are we going to cremate in some way or do you want to just plant it underneath? Like, do you want to get a plant and plant it and keep this little house plant and maybe move it outside at some point, you know, if it's a house that you think you're going to be in. But like when you guys were all born, I kept the placenta and we did the print of it and then I planted it in a plant. Mm -hmm. So if you want to plant it, you have time whenever you're ready to do it. You know, you can put some dirt in, dump the contents of the jar, put more dirt in, plant a plant. But if mm -hmm. you want to cremate it to make jewelry later, um, we need to do it now. And yeah. I called him and he said, um, 
with that small amount of tissue and bone just being starting bone form starts forming between six and seven weeks gestation but it's more like cartilage you're going to have very little so i called the mortuary by you and mm-hmm. she was amazing first of all like she was amazing and i said i don't want her to bring this to you and have you say we processed it and there's really nothing left Because that kind of defeats the purpose. And she said, the only other thing you could do is treat it like a placenta encapsulation. And I was like, oh my gosh, why didn't I think about that? So immediately I knew for babies in early gestation, all you need to do is find someone who does placenta encapsulation who's willing to do that. So I was really excited about this because I knew you would get the most amount of, of, ashes from this because mm-hmm. placenta encapsulation is just a dehydration process instead of a high temperature process. Um, so for me, I guess one, again, another great thing out of a horrible situation is I realized like it dawned on me, wait, there's a different way to do this. And unfortunately in pregnancies under 20 weeks, it's the it's called medical waste a miscarriage is just labeled medical waste the silver lining to that is that because it's called medical waste you have a lot more options to do something with that tissue whether you miscarry at the hospital and say i want all my tissue which they will give you or you miscarry at home you have a lot more options because it's just medical waste and we'll get to that more but i asked you like who do you know that's a doula and There is another doula who I have met with a few different times. I love her. She is fantastic. And she started offering placenta encapsulation. Um, Her name is Emily. She's with Unbridled Mama Doula Services. I actually think she just changed her name. She just changed her name. We'll put the link for for her. Yeah, we'll link her because I think she's like the only person in the country who offers a bereavement package. She is right now. For miscarried babies. Yep. So I reached out to her. I told her what happened um, and asked if she would be able to do something with that. Um, She is also a bereavement doula. um, Which we didn't realize at the time. You did the the same training. Yes. And we realized Um, that we did. I realized we did the same training when she posted about your situation on the private uh, bereavement doula Facebook group. So nobody except for bereavement doulas would see this information, but I saw her picture and I was like, oh my gosh, this is you. That's my daughter. I'm Jen. We've been talking. So right. that was the amazing. Full circle kind of yeah. thing. Um, so I was able to meet with her the next day um, and give her my little jar. And I think I met with her on Wednesday. And gave it to her and I got it all back on Thursday. Tell me about that because look, you're still, you miscarry on Sunday. This is Wednesday. You've had a jar in your drawer. You were still bleeding a little bit and Mm -hmm. you've still miscarried. You just lost a baby. So we were talking about like, because it's a dehydration purpose, we were talking about doing it, you doing it at home. Mm -hmm. And the fear is 
not doing it right because neither one of us does placenta encapsulation. Yeah. Finding somebody and then having a charge. Like there's all this stuff that goes through your head. Yeah. So she, you know, had to figure out like how much she would charge for it and like how long it was going to take and compared to like a full size placenta. Um, and all of that. And I was very honest with her. I'm like, this is all emotional. Um, when I reached out, I wasn't thinking about how much it was going to cost. I was thinking I need to figure out what to do because my window is so small and also thinking about maybe doing it on my own. And she was super understanding. She has a sliding scale for her doula clients. So she offered that for bereavement because when, when you're going through a loss, why you also have to think about spending however much to creaming and all of that. So I was, we were able to pay the amount that we thought was good and what we could afford for what we were getting. Um, and it was kind of a relief to be able to hand that off to somebody else instead of like doing it on my own. Cause I think I would have kept delaying. Yeah just that mentality and being like, okay, I have to go and I have to do this and I have to do this and make sure I'm doing it right. I think just mentally while you're still bleeding and healing from losing a baby and like needing to do that with just like, that just sounds like a lot. So it was a relief to be able to hand that off to somebody who I knew knew what they were doing, who I trusted and who was understanding and not like pushy or weird or anything, anything else. So we met up, I handed it off to her and she said that she would, she asked if it was okay to take pictures and if it would be okay to post pictures. And I was like, yes, because three different doulas had no idea that this was even an option. Yeah. And that means that other people don't know that it's an option. And everyone should know that it's an option. The interesting, so totally exciting, which is great because um, like I recently asked you, can I write a blog post? And I can do it strictly as a bereavement doula, having a client who remains anonymous. Um, but I think it's past that point. Yeah. <laughs> we're past that <laughs> I think it's okay um I would have wanted her to take pictures regardless just for the process even if she hadn't posted even if you were like or post them and keep me anonymous don't say who your client like it's it's not hard in our line of business as a doula you have all this confidentiality there's HIPAA mm -hmm. there's blah 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 like it's easy to do pictures as long as a person's face isn't in them or you don't name a person, like it's it's not hard to take pictures and remain anonymous. I mean, I have lots of yeah. pictures of me holding babies and they're you, they're your babies, but nobody knows who ba whose babies they are or what these babies' names are, any of that stuff. So it's yeah. not like that's hard, but so out of your miscarriage came, first of all, I reached out to her once she said, yes, I reached out and I'm like, this is Olivia's mom. I'm a bereavement doula. I, I'm so thankful. 
Um, you know, because through this, um, I learned so much and figured so much out and then had to figure out, okay, I learned it, but like then how, and she was the how. And yeah. another great thing is that like she and I have been back and forth for since, since it happened and, um, it launched a new section of her business. So now she is the only one in the country. I've thought of getting licensed as placenta, doing placenta encapsulation specifically because I want to also be able to offer this. And I haven't yet. She's the only one in the country. She's the only one. And you can put your remains in that glass jar of saline, get dry ice from your local gas station mart and ship it overnight to her. And she can do this now. So it's launched an entirely different section of her mm -hmm. business. And she and I um, were talking to different people like mortuaries, um, doctors. She went and talked to an OBGYN about medical waste, how to ship it, what you need to put on the packaging, uh, up to what gestation. Like it, it became like a, another part of her business for other women, which is you did that, Olivia. You're because you were willing to be strong and brave, and we documented this. Um, it has opened up a, another business for a woman, and it is allowing women from anywhere in the country to be able to do what you did. And that's because you were strong and brave and, and went through your process, you know, like you, mm -hmm. you created this business for this woman and your bravery created the possibility of this happening for unlimited women across the United States. I think that helped me mentally also knowing that like, yes, I went through a lot and it sucks and it's awful and it's hard, but out of a hard and sad situation, so much good has come out of it. So much knowledge has come out of it and so many opportunities for other women to be able to grieve and process in a much better way. And knowing that they have options, like you can still choose to flush right. anything down the toilet and do nothing. You have that choice that's not taken away, but you also have the choice to save it and get it preserved. And now instead of just, oh, I flush it or I found it and I can either flush it or plant it, you now can get it cremated and you can make it into jewelry or you can scatter it or, you know, whatever. And I think that's helped me a lot in my processing and grieving um like I said earlier like physically I felt fine so as the bleeding stopped um I mean after I passed the placenta and stuff I wasn't I didn't keep myself on bed rest right I didn't really see a point anymore um and that also worked out because then it was Monday and my husband had to go to work and right I was the only one home to deal with things one and two. Um, <laughs> right. So I had to be able to do things. So knowing that like, I mean, there's still like that little bit of hope where like there's another baby and that baby is holding on and doing fine. My midwife said to take a pregnancy test the following Saturday. 
so it'd been a week since I started bleeding, like a week since I lost the baby and the bleeding had stopped on like Thursday. Like Thursday was the last day I had anything. Um, so I took the test and it was negative and I knew, and I still know at these different points, like getting a negative pregnancy test and getting another positive pregnancy test with a future pregnancy and like these different stages, getting the remains back from Emily when I do ship it out to get jewelry and I get the jewelry back I know all of these different things are going to lead to a lot of emotion um and that negative test where I was expecting it but I still had that little bit of hope that it would be positive and remain positive and there would still be a baby I also really wanted it to be negative so that I could just move on like wrap it up um and it was negative and that was really hard And because I'm also a birth worker, because I am in that realm, I did decide to make a post about it and also use that opportunity to share with women that there is another option um, when you do, if you do lose a baby. Um, And I think that helped with it too, like knowing that I was in an okay enough headspace to be able to share and pass on information and like come to terms with everything that happened. Definitely helps. And it's not to say that like, I'm not still sad. I know I'm gonna be scared with a future pregnancy, um, especially until I get past the the six week mark when I did, when I lost a baby. I know that's gonna be, a lot um but I think there have been enough things that have helped be more okay with it than I think I would have been otherwise I think it I thought it was great the midwife asked you to take the test on that Saturday and if it was positive to wait till Wednesday and take a second Mm -hmm. test and if it was still positive you would have gone in at that point to get the vaginal ultrasound because of course there's always a chance it's a twin pregnancy and I get it like the negative was almost a relief like we can just be done with this and I remember talking to you and and asking you how you were and and um you were like, sometimes I feel guilty that I'm not more sad, but there's just so much positive also in this tough situation, which is how, wouldn't it be, I mean, imagine how beautiful it would be if every woman going through a miscarriage said, you know, I feel a little guilty because I'm not more sad because there's just so much good that came out Mm -hmm. of a really tough situation. And like, how amazing is that? And, um, that like I remember that conversation I think it was about two weeks afterwards and you're like I'm really doing well I mean there's all these things I'm grateful for and I remember saying and yet it will still bite you sometimes like when you get the remains back like that's hard Mm -hmm. right but also so great and but hard and that negative pregnancy test and yes another pregnancy down the road like there are all of these things where um, a friend's going to tell you that she miscarried. This doesn't go away. It's not like, ah, oh, I, I checked that off. And so now I can be happy and move on. Um, it's always there and it will come up at times and you will definitely 
because I'm the more logical one also, but you definitely feel that other woman's pain because mm-hmm. you still, that pain still lives inside of you. But the great thing was that you got the best possible outcome for a really tough situation and then some because it created yeah. all these other conversations. Um, yeah. So how has it changed you as a doula, do you think? Um, I had thought about adding bereavement and I realized that while I went through something, that's not something I want to have as a focus. Hmm. Like I will leave that to other people because sitting in grief and helping people through that isn't exactly what I want to do. Right. Um, and I know so many fabulous women who do help with that and who will help with that, that I would much rather refer them to. I think on a whole though, um, definitely like more understanding. Um, I've thought more about at what points would I be willing to refund or in what ways would I be willing to help a mom in that um, to my ability without going and doing more training and being a bereavement doula. Um, I have also decided to possibly be adding birth photography on. And in that, I do know that some women, when they have a later term miscarriage and have to be induced to have that, they still want that documented and photographed. And I would be more than happy and willing to go and do that for them. Right. Or if they wanted pictures of the placenta or anything earlier, when it was an earlier term miscarriage, I would go and do that. Because I understand how helpful that is Mm -hmm. to have those different documentations and different ways and means to help you grieve and process. So I would be more than happy to do that and, and help through that. I think it makes you more like regardless. Well, first of all, like kudos for knowing just because you've gone through an experience doesn't mean you want to teach that experience. So kudos Mm -hmm. for knowing like, no, it's not for me. However, I think when we go, when you go through something like this, the empathy towards that other woman is shifted a little bit because you feel what they, you know, what they feel. So even if you were a doula for a woman and she's like, yeah, actually this is a rainbow baby, like instantly, you know what that feels like. And so I Mm -hmm. think it makes us better because we're, it's not just that we're more compassionate or more empathetic. I think we are those things anyway. You are in a different way because you feel what that woman is Mm -hmm. feeling. And so, um, you know, it definitely makes you more in tune with the women that you're working with, even if there's nothing you can do about their past situation. So Mm -hmm. is there anything, I mean, what do you want to end on? You can end on anything you want to end on. 
it's a hard thing to talk about losing a baby. And it's a hard thing for me when I told our, my family past you and my husband's family, I specifically said, please don't say you're sorry or anything like that. Like don't those like accolades that people say thinking that they're being helpful and like saying it don't help because like you can say literally anything else but don't say you're sorry or the baby is in a better place or any of those things because like they don't help like that's not what I want to hear <laughs> being able to talk about it and say like, yes, I'm going through something hard. We're going through something hard as a family, as a couple, um, without people being like, oh, I'm so sorry for your loss. And like saying those accolades that they think are helping, but instead like shove a dagger in, in you. Um, being able to talk about it openly, mm -hmm. I think is so important because one in four women experience a miscarriage. and hardly any of them talk about it and just sits and it festers and that's why you have women coming to you years later wanting to talk about it because it's been sitting there I think it's one of those very taboo conversations and you know if you bring it up you're going to people say those accolades that just kind of twist and like hit you wrong and don't do anything to help but being able to like sit and talk about it and then learn from it like we were able to with mine, I think it's so beneficial for so many people. Yeah. On your terms kind of is what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. What's great is when I did tell our families about the miscarriage, I didn't have anybody say, I'm sorry for your loss or any of those things because I mean, one, I specifically asked them not to but they did say things that were helpful mm -hmm. and that was better. I'm going to end by saying the same thing I've said through this whole process. You are so strong and you are so brave and I'm so proud of you.